Sarah Bowman, and with me as always is our Mr. Producer, Will Paul. How are you doing tonight, Will? Doing very well, Sarah. How are you doing? It's been a year, Will. It's been a year. Yeah, yeah, it has been a year. It has been a year. It's been like a lot of stuff just packed into the first month of this new decade. But one good thing that I would say has been in this crazy month of January is happy anniversary. It's like the start of our fourth year together. It's really creepy when you put it that way. I'm not yeah. gonna lie. It well, kind of no, well, no. So all the shit that's been going on. I mean, this week. I mean, hell, Kobe and everything else, the impeachment. It's just nice to celebrate something happy, you know. So I just, I, I, I like the gender role reversal we got going on because you remember those things. I don't. <laughs> I completely forgot. <laughs> it's okay. <I'm> <laughs> Well, we also, because we will be talking about the Arrow series finale tonight, uh, we did bring back our experts. Veronica Rose and Tasha are here. Welcome. Hi, guys. Hi. Hi. Um, See, we're very cheery because we're going to talk about the Arrow series finale. It was just so funny and lighthearted and upbeat. It was just great. (laughs) (laughs) It totally was. Good times. Yeah. Not confusing at all. Didn't leave me with any questions. Um, <laughs> completely right. satisfactory response for me. Yeah, and we're done. <laughs> yeah, it was fantastic. All right, well. Um, oh, okay. So I guess according to Will, we need yeah. to talk about Birds of Prey reactions first. A movie yeah. that I frankly keep forgetting is about to come out in theaters. <laughs> <laughs> I did for a while and then of course the social media embargo like was lifted and and people were raving about it over overall. I mean there were some some minor quibbles but um yeah, so far it uh seems to be getting some p- pretty positive buzz. I got nothing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like so checked out on this movie. Oh, I, okay. I want so... to be more excited. It's like one of those movies that from the promo, I'm just not super excited to see it. Like there are characters I want to see, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. the movie as a whole, I'm not excited to watch. Because I, I, Journey's um, Black Canary, sign me up. I want to see it. Yeah. But the movie as a whole and the fact that it's so focused on one character more so and the advertising has been so focused on one character more than the others is like not a big motivator motivator for me to watch it yeah yeah i noticed the advertising even it's like the even the commercials now it's just like harley quinn and then it's like if you blink you miss birds of prey yeah definitely i've been a fan of birds of prey for a really long time and just watching the trailers and i've been like okay so is this a harley quinn movie with guest stars birds of prey or what is this? But, I mean, they should have gone another direction with it. They, they should have made it so that we believe it's about Harley Quinn. You know what I'm saying? Like, at least the title. Right. Otherwise, it's just kind of, I don't know, it just makes you kind of feel like they're, you know, pushing Harley Quinn on as, as if it wasn't something people already did want to see. It's like they're, you know, we want you to pay attention to her. Yeah, but people yeah. already were, so why? <laughs> I don't know. It's yeah. 
I yeah. probably will not be watching this in theaters. I no, pro- you know, most likely will not be watching this in theaters. <laughs> Same. Yeah, it's one of I, those things that when it gets out on like Redbox or whatever, then I'll I'll watch it. But I'm in no rush to see it. See, and I don't even know if then I'll watch it because I had the um, very similar approach to Suicide Squad. Squad. I've never seen it, <laughs> and I have seen Batman v Superman. But I, I skipped through so much of that movie that I don't really know if it qualifies as an actual viewing experience. So I, I just, I think that because I didn't get on board with this character, because I haven't seen Suicide Squad, there's no reason why I need to go and spend the money to see it. And even if it's on a once it's released, I don't know if then I'll even spend the money. Because, guys, movies are expensive these days, even when they get released. Okay? Yeah, yeah absolutely. They are. They are. They are. And pretty high, too. Yeah. You have to be I, willing to get up at, like, you know, first thing in the morning on a Monday or a Tuesday and go and sit for early matinee showings so you can get half price. <laughs> I, I went to see Rise of Skywalker that early, and it was not cheap. <laughs> but then again i live in alaska so prices are skewed but yeah yeah, it's it's just it's interesting and like i said i keep forgetting it's even a thing that's coming and so that that says a lot yeah yeah for me you know i've been watching the the harley quinn show with on the dc universe app and i I mean i have i love it i mean it's it's funny it's it's and I think the interplay between her and and Poison Ivy is what really makes that show. And and from what I gather, they're going to be taking on some of the similar themes as far as her, you know, leaving Mister J as she calls him in the in the in the cartoon um, on, on the DC Universe app. And I'm sort of like, okay, now I've I'm, I've seen this before, so why do I'm going to spend money to see it? I mean, I, you know, the positive you know the critical buzz is as has been more positive than i anticipated but but will it make me move me to go to the theater maybe it's ticked me a little bit closer to it but you know i may end up still doing like you guys wait till it comes out on netflix i have a question yeah why is there sports talk on the rundown it's not even about the super bowl that's what i love the most <laughs> yeah well it's Tom Brady. It's like like i don't know i i, I saw that he like posted on his twitter he was like looking out at possibly the the visitor tunnel at Gillette Stadium, so I was like, hey, I'm just going to put it on and see if you're paying attention. (laughs) All I have to say is let him leave. Let him leave. (laughs) I am not a Brady fan. Let him leave. (laughs) Yeah, me too. However, I will miss the, the always just fun i have when i'm able to scream at the at the um screen because i do watch football okay especially now that i live closer to family i do watch football and we hate the patriots and so i love (laughs) to shout get him on his ass yes (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah it's super bowl week i had to have something <laughs> I, I just, I just, I think it's funny. And that they're I not think there. This is a yeah. game. Well, I think you, you spend your week thinking. All right, so 
these are the things Sarah wants to talk about, and these are the things I want to talk about. So I'm going to put them on a rundown, and then she's not going to read it until we start recording, and then she's <laughs> going to have to, on the spot, think of a good segue. It's just like, oh <laughs> why do you do that? How do you go from birds of prey to, hey, Tom Brady? Because <laughs> they're both things we don't want to see. <laughs> But some of us do want to see it. <laughs> oh, my God. Speaking about random news items, apparently Sebastian Stan is throwing some shade on IG at how Cap and Bucky's storyline ended up. Will? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, again, you know, we have Falcon and Winter Soldier coming up, and... Yeah, I just happened to see this random thing, and I and I was thinking about Star Wars actually, because I guess John Boyega like tweeted, you know, "Welcome to the club, Sebastian Stan," and I was just thinking of like whenever he was doing the same a couple weeks ago with Disney and stuff. So, you know, it, I, it's just one of those random things I thought was pretty interesting, but you know. I read the article about it, but I'm so not invested in Cap and Bucky like at all that I was just like eh but I can also understand from an actor's point of view like when they embody these characters they have an idea of where they would like their characters to go and sometimes when that doesn't come to fruition then I can see why they would probably be a little bit bitter about it <laughs> and yeah. when they finally have the opportunity they're going to throw the shade <laughs> yeah or or like we we as we talked about Steven last week on the Inside of You podcast I mean he was if you've listened to that interview I mean he was just done uh, with Arrow and uh, and was you know he basically you know admitted that there for a while he was he was definitely there for for the paycheck and so you know to your point veronica about uh, how actors may feel uh mm-hmm. you know, that that's uh i guess you know maybe in the back of my head i was thinking about that interview too and uh you know here we are as we as we you know, start to talk about the the finale of of arrow this week all right we finally get to actually talk about the thing <laughs> 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 the experience that was that Arrow series finale. Tasha, do you want to kick things off? Because I don't know if going with my response first would be the appropriate thing <laughs> to do. Okay. Um, my feelings on the finale. I liked it for the character moments. I feel like I understand. I always understand the plot of the episodes, whether you know it's debatable whether they're the best plot or they even make sense. But I always understand the plot. I pretty much checked out of the plot for this episode. If you ask me who the bad guy was, I could not tell you. I did not care. Like I went into this episode looking for John Diggle to become Green Lantern and Oliver and Felicity to get the ending that they deserve. Anything other than that, I didn't care. Not even a little bit. <laughs> Not even a little bit. And I felt what I wanted out of it. So the rest of it, I was like, am I going to sit here and try to figure out the timey-wimey shenanigans they pulled with mm-hmm. Mia in 2040, three weeks after her brother got kidnapped, 
coming back to 2020 to go to her father's funeral when Dinah is in 2020 and somehow ends up in 2040 and Laurel is in 2020 who finds out information about 2041. Nope, I'm not doing this. <laughs> no, no, no. Just no. So I took it for the moment that I wanted. I liked that um, Amiko got what she wanted before, you know, before her, her entire death scene was, you know, I really wanted to be a queen. Her and Oliver had that conversation about Thea wanting a sister, her saying she wanted a sister. So she got that. She got to be welcomed into the family. That yep. I was like, okay, that's what that character needed to move on. That's what he wanted to give his sisters. Like my sister's going to lose me, but they'll have each other and he can, that closed out that story. I was like, okay, that's great. Oliver, I mean, um, Tommy is back. I love Tommy. I'm glad he's back. He's with, he was married to Laurel. He has, they had that closure. Nessie came back. Her and Sarah had that moment because it was very weird that they never really closed that out. So that's done. Diggle and Lila and their family gets to, he gets to be Green Lantern and go off to Metropolis and move forward. Renee's the mayor. They closed out all the major characters they all had their moment so they could just move on the rest of it was didn't care <laughs> they're not done with diggle though because he was no. in those promos for flash yeah, yeah but, but yeah but diggle but diggle's gonna be diggle the the green lantern reveal is not going to be a part of the upcoming flash episode <sighs> i feel like it's gonna he's gonna go to barry and, and help barry with whatever he needs to help his grieving process. And then Diggle is done until I feel like the most likely option for that is if with the Superman show, mm -hmm. I mean, if they're going to make dig green lantern, then it needs to be in an environment where there are bad guys that he can fight as green lantern. You can't do that in star in star city. One, there's no crime Two, he would be overpowered for that city. He would be overpowered for, um, central city the only place that it would work is in a city like national city or metropolis where they're going to have bad guys on that level that he could actually help so maybe he would guest star on the super on the superman show and they could use him there or they're going to send him to make a cameo or whatever in the um hbo show but it was like a good way to just close out the character and he's still like in the world. So it makes sense that in 2040, his kids would still know and have that connection to Oliver and Felicity's kids. All right. <laughs> Veronica? <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. Um, a lot of uh, odd moments in that finale that kind of left me scratching my head for sure. Um, I, I was just kind of, I don't know, um, annoyed <laughs> with, they didn't really need to have a bad guy. They didn't need to bring back some character from season one that nobody really remembers just so that they can like create some sort of conflict. You know, this cast is a complex cast and you can create conflict within the cast. <laughs> you don't even need to bring in somebody from the outside. Um, I guess, you know, to tie it in with what's happening, I guess, with the, the new Green Arrow and the Canaries. But I just, I don't know, the whole 
the whole episode was was slow for me um the the documentary aspect of it like that was just weird i know that they wanted to try to like give the um characters a chance to talk about how they feel with oliver being gone now and um but it was just i don't know it was slow it was kind of like i was to the point where i was losing interest you know and i was going off to do something else and then i was like oh wait i gotta watch what's going on here and um I just I think the only things that I really enjoyed about the episode was getting to see, you know, Felicity come back and interact with everybody once again and being able to um touch base with people that she had to kind of in a way abandon to try to protect Mia. So you know, I was like, all right, but and I liked seeing all the other characters come back. Like that was pretty cool, I guess. You know, Mora was alive, and Tommy is alive, and um, just <sighs> the only thing I think I was even the slightest bit excited over was when Oliver had his fight scene, where they show him doing. And that's one of the things about James Banford that I do like, as far as like the fight scenes. I love that continuous shot that he does of fight scenes with Oliver, you know, getting Steven to just constant, you know, they don't move the camera off him for very very long, you know, and um, those long shots that they do. I, I really enjoy that. And I love the, the shaky movement of the camera work. I know a lot of people complain about it. Um, but for me, who loves fighting movies and action movies, it's very, it's very in tune with what I expect it would be like. Um, and then the other, I guess we probably, I mean, for sure, most definitely is Diggle getting a nice little gift from space after it shot him into a van. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I, that for me was like, Oh my God, like I was all excited. I, I don't ever like scream or do anything when I watch a show but for that particular point, I was like, oh, my God. And I stood up and I was like, no. <laughs> and because I'd been waiting for this since last year. <laughs> it's like they've got to do something. And when they said that he was going to be moving to Metropolis, I was like, OK, that's odd. Um, it just seemed like such a weird city for him to be moving to. But I guess now we have an idea of maybe why but I did see another explanation that maybe the green glowing thing was kryptonite rather than the power ring no so I don't know yeah don't whoever know. whoever theorized that is like what was sure they watching <laughs> I mean, yeah that's why I was universe, like yeah what because they're trying they to like link it with Superman the new Superman show but I just don't see how that's going to play out so I'm definitely stuck on the Green Lantern and and being that Greg Berlanti is in charge of the HBO Max series that's upcoming with Green Lantern I'm gonna hold out hope hmm. I think you're right the the fight scene I feel like the entire reason for that plot with the kidnapping which we absolutely agree they did not need was for the fight scene and to give Mia that confidence boost that she could save 2040 William but they really didn't need it I feel (laughs) like a conversation with her mother 
would have given her that convert that that boost that she needed or just to spend time with with the young William see that would have been more than enough and to and to have since they were already doing the documentary for that to be a diggle flashback of you know his him having that conversation with Oliver and then they could have just cut in the um the fight scene and you really didn't need to have that entire plot and we would have it would have freed up mo more time to have interactions between the characters that we actually cared about instead of a plot that we really didn't see i actually dif- i have a different <laughs> feel about that i actually was okay with the john Byrne scene being in there because especially when they showed the video camera of her you know the news story of her on the roof that connected Basically, you know, the lessons, as you were, as you were saying, Diggle talking to Oliver about we don't need to kill, that was sort of fast forwarded to her getting, as you said, her confidence to be able to carry this role of, of, green, of being the Green Arrow. And also knowing that, uh, you know, again, just reinforces her humanity and not having to go to that extreme place of killing the the bad guy so i actually didn't the the mia you know the kidnapping and all that stuff it didn't really it didn't take me out of the episode at all i think what we could probably say is i think that whole arc was just poorly executed because it was very unemotional and just not interesting at all i mean it was there well we watched it but it just yeah so, because I, you know, with this episode, and I actually, I actually like the thought finale, because I mean, fin- obviously, finales are very hard to pull off, and I c- had my closure with Oliver, honestly, in hour four of Crisis, and really looked at this, looked at, uh, I approached this almost like an epilogue whenever I, I, I watched this episode. Yep. Uh, because mm-hmm. it really, it really all the things you guys said about the characters and, and the secondary characters and, prim- and primarily Diggle, it, it was really, to me, Oliver's presence was felt throughout the episode because we saw this evolution of this character over the course of eight years and, and his presence and how he went from, you know, the, the playboy socialite, uh, the five years of Leon Yu to coming back and uh, his evolution and all the lives that he touched and succeeded in making star city, a crime free place to the point where Diggle was like, well, damn, what do I do? What do I do with myself? Um, I mean that, you know, that was sort of the, the closing out as, as an epilogue should do, especially given that the hero died like two episodes prior and so I, you know, I, I, when I was watching episode, I really appreciated it for for that, and and so, so I wasn't expecting it like other finales where, you know, you, you're expecting the the, you know, I, I'll think back to the finale of like Star Trek: Deep Space Nine, um, where you had the final confrontation between good and evil because you already had that in Crisis. So now it's just like, how do you deal with this rest of the you know, the, the fallout from it and the, the grieving process and closing out and moving on with their lives, you know, thanking Oliver for the legacy he's left. Yeah, I mean, this this finale, it's interesting because 
I feel like in a way, as much as I, I didn't really care for the finale, I'll be honest. Um, but then again, it kind of encaptures my entire relationship with this show in the sense that there are parts of this series that I've never liked. Laurel. I mean, a big one. And she had totally such good, a big but... role in this finale. It drove me crazy. Mm-hmm. So, but, but. There, it would just also felt like everything with her, everything with Mia, all went back to the back um, backdoor pilot that aired last week. And I'm just like, okay, so I was expecting a little more clarification about what we watched last week, but you're you're, you're rightfully <laughs> focused on resolving this line, which further proves our point that that should not have been the penultimate episode. Okay. <laughs> 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 And, and, but then again, there are aspects of the show where I, I swear every single moment that Felicity was on the screen, whoever she was talking with, uh, there were there, I was on the brink of tears. Like, and, and then, um, Catherine McAfee, I don't know her last name. She, um, she also sold it with her grief and her performance in this episode. And I really like their moments together. I I'm with you guys. They should have had more moments together. I was tired of Laurel playing this like weird stepmom character for her. And, and Diggle, this was Diggle's story. It was really interesting to have this episode so focused on him where I didn't get as much Oliver's presence in this show. I got the presence of Arrow. I didn't get the presence of Oliver Queen. Right. I, I agree with that because I, I was thinking about it earlier and I said, you know what? 7 to 22 was definitely Felicity's episode, like closing mm-hmm. the last 10 minutes mm-hmm. was, was her. And I feel like 801 was Oliver's episode and they capped it off in the... um. That was primarily Oliver's episode. Like he said goodbye and that was all his feelings more so than anything else. And then they capped it off with his death in crisis. But this very much felt like Diggle's episode. Like right. this was the eulogy, him doing the call to arms to find William. Like that was his episode. And it was like, okay, this one man, like his mission has always been like, I'm here to help Oliver. And Oliver had such an impact on him that it was mostly focused on this being okay what does he need to do to deal with his grief to move on from the fact that this has been his Oliver and Oliver's family has been his focus for so long that now he needs to move to the next stage of whatever he needs to do in his life right and I think that's why there are aspects of of what happened with Mia William in this episode that didn't was not as effective as they could have been or should have been because it felt in times when, okay, this is about Diggle and Diggle picking up the mantle and moving forward. Oh, wait, no, no, no. We know Mia becomes the green arrow in the future. So it's about her realizing, oh, this is bipolar. (laughs) I think where, I think like the failing for it was the fact that they needed, they wanted to include and incorporate like the other characters Mm -hmm. had Diggle. This was very much Diggle's episode, but had Diggle had those moments these conversations with with Mia right. instead of some of these conversations with Mia instead of with Renee 
Mm-hmm. You really didn't yeah. need him to have those conversations with Renee and Dinah. Dinah's gonna be on the spinoff if it gets picked up. She can work out her issues over there. Like it's not, it wasn't necessary. So had because he had such a close connection with her father, with both of her parents, had he had some of his conversations working out his feelings with her instead, and that helped propel her forward and him forward, that would have been a better way to handle it. And I completely agree. Like Laurel, feel your feelings on the spinoff I don't need that right now I don't (laughs) like and anybody who watches these shows watches all generally watches the majority of the shows we already know why they can't be two laurels if we watched Batwoman we didn't need to spend that amount of time on Laurel's feelings about why the other Laurel wasn't brought back that was a scene that could have went to Felicity and Moira or Missa and um, Mia and Felicity, that would have been a great scene to have considering Mia's yeah, but, training came from this and we never saw that connection between the three of them. Yeah, but Maura had her moment earlier in the episode as far as when they were filming a documentary as far as exp- and, and also explaining why, you know, Oliver could, you know, did not bring back Robert or Laurel One. So... <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Will. I'm glad you brought it up and I did it. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and honestly, and, and so the, and actually, I like the fact that you know, that they really just recognized that Laurel One just did not work. And nope. So, yeah. And so, so nope. I mean, not at so, all. I mean, so in, in, so, in <laughs> a lot, you know, in so many ways, the, 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 this, this episode confirmed a lot of things that people have been saying for the last eight years. Oh, <laughs> yeah. It was the line heard it. around the world, in my opinion. Line heard around the world, loud and clear. And that's why I give this a pass. Because <laughs> <laughs> they just confirmed what we all knew. Like, that character, it didn't work. It didn't work, it didn't work for any... Oliver changed the world. He brought back almost everybody who didn't change. And he didn't bring her back because they didn't need to. Like yeah. it just—it wasn't a character that worked. There was and no reason for it. No, she was probably the one thing that I hated about Arrow, and that they kept trying to find a way to make her a character that you can connect with. And I never connected with Laurel one. But then you bring in Laurel's Black Siren, and I was like, okay, now here we go. Like, she's doing a great job acting like a total bitch, <laughs> and I will take that. She's a more interesting character as... She really was. As Black yeah. Siren. Just basically a better character as Black Siren mm-hmm. than she was. I don't have to like her, but I can acknowledge that, yeah, this is a better character. The actress's portrayal is better in this role. When they Definitely. tried to force, you like the idea that you're gonna force this this story for her, they they couldn't decide what they wanted E1 Laurel to be. One minute she's like, Okay, I have a shotgun, I'm gonna fight people, I got this, and then the, the, the next episode, she's a damsel in distress and she needs to be saved. She they couldn't decide what they wanted the characters to be, and that was why so many people had a problem and struggled to connect to that character because mm-hmm. there was no consistency with the writing for the characters. So, at least with this Laurel, she's just like, you know what? I don't care. I don't like you people, and I don't care. And she's 
pretty consistent in that attitude. So you're like, okay, I, at least I know who you are. And I can, I can say, this is what I'm going to consistently get from you. Yeah. Right. I think overall, like, um, I would have loved it more so, I think, if we had Diggle narrating, as like Will said, this epilogue. Because what better way to end the series with Diggle narrating what everybody is experiencing, you know, and and giving us this kind of like um, look into everybody. And I don't mean like like legit like literally you know narrating it but like him having these moments with each person and then being able to see moments such as Felicity and Mia meeting such as Moira meeting Felicity and Mia um you know little things like that I I don't know I I, the whole documentary thing was just dumb I I didn't I didn't like it I thought that's what they were going to do, like, in my head before the episode. I was like, okay, because with the funeral, I was like, okay, during this funeral, we're going to see, like, flashes of each person having a flash to a moment that they shared with Oliver. So I was like, okay, with the amount of cast that they have, that would make sense. And you can tie in as much Oliver as possible and how he affected everybody's life. And yeah, Diggle was the person as like, he's the person viewing all these interactions and then they cut to the flashback so you could cut in Oliver. To me, that would have been a better way to just say like, okay, this is how we're going to close out the story mm-hmm. than what they did. And it's not to say that I, that I hated the finale because I didn't hate it. I feel like it did do a solid job of tying up the characters and giving good beats. But I feel like because of the time that they had, that would have been a better way to utilize the time. Yeah, or they could have just made it a two-hour finale. You know, they yes, could have easily. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. Uh, and, and see, and not not to uh, cut you off right there, but I actually don't think I could take much more. Like, I love this show. This show arguably had a big impact on my life and wh- what was going on when I first started watching it from who I was then and where I am now. Um, I mean, it's why I got into podcasting. So at the same time, though, this, this, everything that they did, the choices they made in the finale, it's not, the writer's room is not the same as it was before. That's what I feel like. I feel like there was a, there was a regression that occurred. And so a lot of these choices, a lot of the comments we're talking about, I'm like, yeah, that encaptures pretty much my whole feelings about season eight. You know, I feel like Oliver's story really ended in at the end of 7A because that first um, that episode arc was near probably the best writing that they've ever had on the show, arguably. And it just was all of his pathos and so i almost feel like his story ended in that moment and we've just been getting epilogue ever since <laughs> <laughs> that's a fair point that's, totally that's a, yeah that's a yeah. very fair point yeah so i just i mean i couldn't like, take it, another hour of this no in the sense that like he started the journey and when he did he was killing and by the time he got out of prison like his interactions with bronze tiger helped him to come to the place where bronze tiger was like 
not all bad guys deserve to die. Mm -hmm. You don't need to kill all of us because guess what? You know, now that you're in prison, you see that there's it's there's a little bit more gray in there. Like he ended that arc when he got out of prison. So and, you're totally right in that. Right. That and was him and why he ended up in there is because he was killing. So mm -hmm. and that's the whole reason why we like this character is because it's that argument of vigilante. Is that the right thing to do or is that the wrong thing to do? Does that make you the hero or does that make you just as bad as the criminals who you're, you're saying that you're here to get rid of? So, so I feel like that was their point. And then I don't know what happened. They just, they went on this trajectory of <laughs> randomness and trying to be like every other show on CW. Yeah. And Stephen Amell would agree. We all listened to the interview. <laughs> and I mean, I did not hear that yet. <laughs> oh, go, go, oh, right. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, go listen to, to it. Go listen to it. I mean, I, I know obviously a lot of the focus was on the panic attack, but I mean, he, he said so much before and even after when he came back and did the second half of the interview. It was uh, very eye opening. Um, yeah. Yep. Um, especially with everything we saw in the crisis crossover wait he had a panic attack yeah see i don't follow yeah. him i don't keep up with any stuff about him so i i don't know i know i'm a horrible arrow fan oh my god i don't follow <laughs> but, him either <laughs> yeah Stephen amell is just like i'm i'm i kind of i'm over him now so <laughs> i'm like okay but um yeah no i i did not know that about him yeah, he was on Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum, and he, this was his second time on the show, and apparently they recorded it right after, about a month or less than a month after he wrapped Arrow. And about an hour way through the interview, um, there's a very organic moment of him just claiming to be sick and saying, I can't do this anymore. They, we hear people moving around and then they cut it. And then um, Michael Rosenbaum says, well, he had a panic attack. So they, they re-recorded or recorded um, the next hour, hour and a half of it um, about a month later. So oh. it was very different. It's really fascinating. Yeah, yeah. Go go. It's it's worth your time to, ch to check it out because, I mean, a lot of the, the things that... Um, we've talked about this evening, you know, it was kind of revealed in that. And also just the challenges of filming the crisis and not being, yeah. you know, and, 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 and Grant and Katie having to leave because they had to film their shows and he was filming his death scene. And you know, it's tennis, just tennis balls instead of people. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's where that, that's where that came from. Yep. 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 On so. his death scene, they could not make the scheduling work. So that the actors he was supposed to act off of were not there. Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah, yeah he was. It very, makes very so impressed. much sense now. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it really does. It really does. You know, I mean, this this entire finale, you know, was there are parts of it that I found odd, but then there are parts of it that I was totally like, you know, I was happy about. Um, I did like. Honestly, I really, really liked the way Felicity reacted when she met Mia, the grown-up Mia. And mm -hmm. that kind of tugged at me because, you know, it, she doesn't 
if we're left to believe, you know, she doesn't get to see Mia and her adulthood after that, after she says goodbye to her and William. So I was really loving that interaction between the two of them. And um, I just, there's, you know, so there were definitely some moments. I think the overall what happened at the, the gravesite was really nice, like what they did there. Um, I felt like the characters or at least the actors were truly feeling that kind of like, okay, it's, we're saying goodbye, you know? So that was pretty good. But just in general, like, I don't know. I, I wanted so much more from it. I wanted something different. And, but I can be okay with it because, you know, Arrow introduced me to all of you all introduced mm-hmm. me to people that have become some of my most amazing friends. So I can't be completely and totally disappointed because in general, like, I will forever be an Arrow fan. I mean, I was a Green Arrow fan with the comics. And it took me a long time to finally watch the show. But now that I did, I'm glad I did because it brought me a whole new world that was um, that I didn't really know existed because I wasn't as active um, with fandoms. I didn't even really know that fandoms like that existed. So it was really... The only thing I can walk away from with this is, you know, what it meant to me as far as saying goodbye. I I don't get emotional over shows that end, but I'm definitely excited to see where everybody ends up next in, in you know, their future. Well said. Well said. I, I, I feel the same way as much as I um I'm just kind of lackluster about it ending. I also, I can't hate the show because it, it did make that impact on me. So I completely mm-hmm. agree. With that. Yeah. Absolutely. But can we talk about the really good show that aired this week? Batwoman. I really oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> can we, can we? Yes, we can. Yes, we can. Okay. Thank Let's you. Will. Talk. I always need Will's permission to move on. Let's move on. <laughs> I don't think we have anything more to say. I mean, I know, uh, you know, I think y'all, a lot of your sentiments about Arrow were same. I mean, people saying, you know, from our Twitter feed and socials, how they can't believe it's over. And, um, you know, how it was an incredible journey. And, and you know, also had some nitpicks about some of the story points. But, uh, yeah, yeah, it's uh, let's move to Batwoman because it really was a really, really great episode this week. The un birthday gift yeah (laughs) it's in gotham and then there's alice and i just this this show you know and maybe that's why i'm okay with arrow ending is because this show just episode by episode keeps getting better it's just when you think they can't do anything more with the alice storyline they utilize the crisis in the best way to move their story forward because you, now we had a Beth dynamic, which totally makes sense because we finally, as viewers, understand why, why Kate has been so hard-pressed to redeem Alice. We never got that before. We never understood really or got a clear sense as to why, how close they were as twins, what that dynamic was like. And now we actually see it. And they almost took it away. 
And then, of course, they kind of are taking it away, but (laughs) (laughs) yeah. But I just thought it was brilliant. It was good. I mean, you know, when they showed Mary uh, on the phone, she was talking to, um, was it Zoe? And they were like, oh, I saw, Al- I, I saw Alice, I saw Alice. I was like, wait a second. What are they doing now? And I kind of, like, didn't think anything else after that. You know, I just kept watching it. And then when they, like, revealed that she's alive, I was like, whoa. <laughs> that was a moment that I was like, yes, this show just keeps getting better. <laughs> and, and Mary says it, too. I love Mary because she was so critical in this, in this episode to have that moment with Beth dressing to pose as Alice. And you see it in her eyes that in one moment she's talking to Beth and then she recognizes the woman who killed her mom Mm -hmm. and trying to forgive and find forgiveness for someone who is the, is pretty much Alice, but in a different world, it just, it, it felt like as a viewer, we were, we were Mary throughout this episode where we finally understood that relationship and also, saw some 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 form of redemption or possible redemption so so i like that and i love that scene between them yeah that was really good i loved the reaction you know Mm -hmm. mary she's such an interesting character and um i was really like she just she sold it she sold it so well and seeing later on you know when she's realizing that there is a difference and she can tell she tells Kate now I understand you know all of us are like yep we understand now (laughs) and and she even figured out what happened during crisis well she was drunk that was funny yeah that was right I like that that was a funny (laughs) moment Kate's face is like Uh, okay I'm not gonna confide neither confirm nor deny (laughs) yeah yeah especially 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 when Beth is like the theoretical physicist and you have you know Mary over here drunk Mary figuring it out that was great (laughs) that was a good moment yeah and and they even had the politics I mean, yeah. yes, yes, yeah, and and which continued what the seeds that were planted the following week, and and kind of helped give a reason as to why Kate was hardly in the suit this episode. She wasn't really. She wasn't. This wasn't about Batwoman. This was about Kate and Beth and Alice and the those dynamics. And so I think they made a really. They had to figure out a way to make it make sense as to why she wouldn't be Batwoman to help really make sure, make it clear that this episode was all about character and, mm-hmm. and who Kate was and what her goals were, not who she is as Batwoman, but who she is as a person. Um, and, and I like, again, this show, I would argue has used the crisis the best way. Because, because yeah. to have, to have Beth come back and the realization that on her earth, she saved her. The crash still happened. 
Mm-hmm. It just, it, it, it like, and that's why this is called the unbirthday gift because it's like, here it is. And oh, FYI, on this earth, you actually did what you should have done on your earth, but didn't do. And here we are. Yeah. Like, there's so much guilt. And she gets her sister back, and, you know, she has Beth there. And then you get to the end of the episode, and it's like, well, is she going to be able to keep that? Because. Yeah, yeah. We, Beth and Alice are both going through something by the end of the episode. And you're like, I don't know. This doesn't look great. Yeah, yeah. It definitely was like the, the can't have two people in the same moment in time. And, and so I, one thing as far as getting to the politics of it, it, it definitely gave additional context to you know, Batwoman being, being out outed. And choosing to go be out um, because you know Kate was very comfortable with with her, her life and and being out who she is and and then you know it's almost like with with Batwoman coming out and then just sort of looking at the d- dynamics of like the city and, and the police chief saying you know we don't want you know, we don't want to turn the bat signal on because because of in the subtext of of her sexuality, and this is sort of like okay, here we it seemed that we thought this was a progressive city, and and here we're we're you know dealing with these old these these prejudices and stuff, and all you know. So there's you know multiple levels of like issues in Gotham beyond crime that uh, you know. Her, her coming out, Batwoman coming out, um, and and really fast forwarding to some of the issues that were in the episode last week, where the teenage girl was, you know, not, you know, we're dealing with her issues as far as people not accepting her as who she is, and then we kind of carry that forward into this episode, seeing that still in this city there's still that prejudice, and and you know, really mirroring a lot of things that we see you know, played out in, in, in today. So, I mean, mm-hmm. I really think that was a real good way to ground the show. Uh, even though we're in this, you know, superhero, superhero universe, we still have these issues that are, that are going on. And, and so I, I thought that was a good move by the writers to, to carry forward, uh, you know, the issues that were at play in last week's episode and, which drove Kate to have Batwoman come out, but then still seeing the prejudices that uh, gay and lesbian people still have to deal with. Right. Yeah. I think for for those of us in the queer community, um, there's half of us that our identity, our sexual identity is what we are and who we are as a person. Like some of us live openly with with this liberation of of being openly queer and not having um, these rules set on us about how we have to behave. So you can be, um, you know, cisgendered female who wants to dress like a man or vice versa. So there's there's this non-binary of of what we can do. Um, And then there's the other part where people don't feel like it's who they are. It doesn't make them what they are so that's that's where I like they had that divide where Kate is openly you know lesbian and she's totally confident 
in that. And it's who she is. She carries it with her. And she has no qualms about hiding it. But whereas Batwoman is on the other side of it where she's like, well, why should it matter what my sexuality is? You know, I'm just here to save the city and, and fight the bad guys. Like, why does it matter, like, who I date? Right. And I love that they did that because that's exactly what it's like for those of us in the queer community. You know, it's divided down the middle and there's still a lot of animosity within the community fighting against like this whole idea of sexual liberation within the queer community. So I really enjoyed that kind of like parallel to what we see or those of us, at least in the queer community experience. So it was definitely a really good way to kind of showcase that. Well, and I think to what Will and I were talking about last week is that when they started to really delve into the politics, Ruby's performance changed. Mm-hmm. She upped her game. Because yes. because I really think that's she had a reason to take this part and to go after this part. And so and initially they had to set up everything else, the, the comic book of it all, the, those threads. And now that they're at this point, they they are able to really delve into those parallels and those other dynamics. And you can I think she she enjoys that material. She's enjoying the character more now than she did originally and just really finding her herself in this role. And I really like that. And speaking about actors on this show specifically who are upping their game. Shout out to Rachel Scarston, who plays yes. the yes. Because She's we amazing. a lot of doppelgangers. A lot of them. I really think this is the best actress to pull it off in yes. one episode. There was clear differences, whether it was speech pattern, whether it was how she looked at Kate and Mary and characters that she knew on her her earth. There was a distinction between her her portrayal as Beth and her portrayal as Alice. And it was subtle. It wasn't in your face, but it was also so real and authentic that she just she she knocked it out of the park. Yeah. Def, kudos for you. You're, you're so right about that. I'm glad you brought that up because uh, that was especially, you know, carrying forward crisis and being this one of the, this is the, you gave the best example for how Batwoman has done the, be, the, the most with carrying crisis forward and her portrayal of the two different characters was yeah just spot on. And especially within the episode when she, when Beth had to play Alice to to you know rescue the the commissioner mm-hmm. and um, the mayor's sons from the the wonder uh, uh, Wonderland. Wonderland gang yeah got it out <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was uh, yeah that was you know very evident uh, in, in that scene how yeah she, she actually had ended up playing like three different characters at that point <laughs> <laughs> yeah because it, it felt like watching her be like um, if anybody actually you actually watch like the birds of prey show like it was her being the long hair like the the young dinah like that soft naive almost calm and quiet version versus her being like crazy harlequin level Mm -hmm. alice and then when she's you know um 
when she's Beth playing Alice, she kind of found that right in between those two characters to play in that role. So she did a really good job. Yeah. Yeah. She's done an amazing job with Alice. Like she, Alice is my favorite villain. I mean, you know how I am about Deathstroke and that I am a huge fan of Deathstroke, but with Alice, um, Rachel has done such an amazing job. Like I just, I am actually find myself cheering for her sometimes on the show because I just she just hooked me and I just the way that she is able to pull off that kind of crazy but cute character I mean who can do that you know it's just it's not a dynamic that most people or most actors are able to do and she does an amazing job of it yeah I I think is there is there anything else we need to say about Batwoman? It it's just it's my favorite show right now out of all of these lineups. <laughs> yeah, it's it's you know I was on the fence on it early on, but yeah, it's, it's become one of my if well until the Flash comes back because we got do have six B, but right now it's definitely my <laughs> favorite. <laughs> Yeah, speaking about doppelgangers, Supergirl had an episode where we got to meet a few doppelgangers of Win. Winnie Win Win. <laughs> Win is back. Supergirl. Did, did everyone watch Supergirl this week? No. Okay. I, I watched the episode. I was just not that connected to what was happening in the episode and I just <laughs> the the fight scenes the eye of the tiger situation I just started <laughs> laughing I was like what is happening on this show we are having um fight scenes that are happening to in sync and eye of the tiger and I what is going on like yeah. besides like the super friends reference and the um hall of justice reference and John 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 Johns, as Laurel says, um, yeah. setting up their new bunker. I was just like, this whole story is just very weird. It doesn't make it like he when went through all of this to save to stop his evil self from killing people. But I'm like, what what was what was the actual catalyst that was going to make him lose his his wife and his and his child like what was supposed to actually stop that because he didn't really stop it stop it because now he's like uploaded into some um computer system so he can live on eternally as the whole thing was just very weird i don't know what they were doing with this episode but it was strange mm-hmm. yeah. yeah yeah i mean it's been supergirl has been very uneven this this season and I mean, we, we started it early on uh, as 5A, but we quickly, like, dropped off when they were just sort of seemed to be spinning their wheels storyline-wise with Kara, Lena, and, you know, and so the whole Leviathan stuff, you know, I, I've got to just go back and read some reasons to sort of, you know, fill in the gaps. But it, it, I, I got back on board with Crisis because, you know, I just honestly love the way John Cryer's been playing Lex Luthor. And so, yeah, so I was back on board. Last week was okay. They did a little bit of carrying some things forward from Crisis, 
but not as well as not as well as Batwoman. And this week, I I don't feel like there was any growth, any movement forward from 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 Crisis again, other than you know Lex having some great moments there with Kara, you know, with this you know Nixon and Frost line with uh, with William the soup the I guess new beat reporter who's sort of like they're trying to force a relationship right. into the series that I'm like no no this this guy is like completely you know he He's could be so gone yes they dropped I didn't I didn't really gone. mind this episode I was fine with it because yeah. Um, I do think that Will complains every week about the Lena storyline, like the Carolina one, that needs to be cut. Um, I would argue one of their detriments is when they go too journalism-y. <laughs> too, yeah. Really boring. Really boring. However, that being said, um, for me, I didn't, I wasn't taken as as a back by this episode, it did feel a lot like Legends of Tomorrow, where you just go with it. It's yeah. it's you're dealing with time travel, you're dealing with time cops. Lord knows what the, this all means because I don't watch Legends, but it just felt very Legendsy. Um, Jeremy Jordan though really sold it for me, and yeah. and also Brainy. Everything they did with Brainy. I liked because they. I'm glad they started something with him in the previous episode, and they continued it forward. They didn't do this like hot potato thing that they typically do on the Flash, where they start something, they put it on hold for a few episodes, and then return to it. Gives you whiplash. Um, but they they really moved it forward, and then and now we also understand um, Nia's. Um, presence and the fact that Wynn knows her great 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 granddaughter and feels a connection his moment with her and his moment with Brainy really sold the episode where despite all its flaws I was fine with it because yeah. those two character moments really um, nailed it for me yeah I mean I, I, I really enjoyed Wynn being back and realized how much I actually have missed the character and I mean, and so with I didn't have any problems with that, but it, but this episode just really there were a lot of like individual parts of it that I liked, but it it, it never really grabbed me as far as just like oh oh I gotta like you know where I started I found myself wandering off thinking about doing other stuff while I was watching the episode. Uh, I you know, but I did love the tower reference to you know the whole Justice Justice League. Um, you know, that was a that was a nice little Easter egg, and the you know the, the call signals for the superheroes and whatnot. So, I mean, there were parts of it that I liked. I mean, it's not like I'm going to go back to where I was before, where I'm like, oh, I'm done with Supergirl. Uh, but it's but at the same time, you know, it didn't and it for me, it didn't carry anything forward much beyond you know, hey, we got win back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'm sorry, I have to give this a shout out that I just looked on Twitter and uh, Green Arrow TV posted a image of Justin Hartley, who's on This Is Us and was the former Green Arrow on Smallville at a gravesite and saying um, Earth 167 pays his respects. 
Oh, oh nice. Uh, that's cool. Yeah. That's very cool. Very cool. And if you watch This Is Us this week, you'll know where that image is from. <laughs> I don't eat, I don't watch that. Just like you don't watch Legends of Tomorrow. I don't watch it. <laughs> Veronica, we, I haven't we, watched it in we would not bring that up. <laughs> I'm telling you guys. I love that show so much. It's not even funny, but funny. nobody wants to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, things that people want to talk about. <laughs> the only transition I could come up with. <laughs> Will, um, are we going to do a Picard recap? We can. Uh, I don't know if you guys have watched the new Picard series. I don't want to spoil it for you if you are a Star Trek fan and thinking about watching it. I am going to watch it, so don't spoil it for me. Okay. <laughs> and I, 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 I did watch the original Star Trek, so with, you know, uh, my sister and I were hardcore Trekkies, and my mom, we got her pulled into it. So, yeah, we're going to be watching it, but because I've had so much homework since school started, I haven't had a chance to sit down oh. and watch. <laughs> well, you, well, I will give you, you can watch it. If you don't have the CBS All Access, just a little heads up. Uh, both Pluto TV, which is a free app uh, in the App Store, on uh, if you have Amazon Prime, or, um, and also YouTube. You can, find, you can find the first episodes of Picard for free. So if you don't have CBS All Access, you can go watch it on those two platforms for free. Sweet. <laughs> My sister has it, so I know that she'll just put me on her account, which is fine. Cool, but yeah, cool. no, I'm definitely yeah. going to be watching it. Cool. So, so I guess then we'll save it for next week, Will. Okay. All yeah, right. we could talk about this. We could talk about this week's episode as well. Yep. Yep. All right. Well, that's it for us tonight. Then, uh, Veronica, Tasha, thank you so much for coming tonight. It was great catching up and also giving very honest reactions to everything on DC TV. Tasha, why don't you tell our listeners where they can find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at hindsight20, H-I-N-D-S-I-T-E-2-0. And Veronica, where can our listeners find you? Y'all can find me on Twitter at Nerdy Chicana, which is N E R D Y X I C I N. I can't spell. <laughs> you know how to find me. Don't worry. I'm your free guest host. <laughs> Y'all know. She's so professional now. <laughs> And Will, where can our listeners stalk you? They can find me on Twitter at Will M. Polk, W-I-L-L-M-P-O-L-K. And you can find me at SJ, SJ Belmont, S-J-B-E-L-M-O-N-T. Quiet, Veronica. You're rubbing off on me. Uh, follow our crew on Twitter at Cena Nerd. Friend us on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram. But most importantly, rate, subscribe, and comment on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Spotify. Good night, geek out. You're welcome. <laughs>